Welcome to Words of Inspiration with Rev. James T. Brown, Jr., the lead pastor of Tabernacle of Worship. Let's join today's message in progress. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for allowing us to gather today. Father God, we thank you for your word, O God, that shall be spoken into the ears of your your children, O Father God. We thank you for it bringing life, for it edifying, exhorting, empowering and encouraging. Now, Father God, have your way in the hearts of your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, family, today we're continuing in our series, Understanding His Value. Understanding His Value. As you know, we've been walking through the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, studying the Christology of Christ here in the book of Hebrews. And we're going to actually go back to chapter 8. Chapter 8. We began at chapter 8 last week. We're going to culminate it today. Chapter 8. We're going to begin at verse 5. Chapter 8 and verse 5. And here the word of God reads. It says, speaking of the priests, by the way, speaking of the Mosaic priest, it says, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern shown, uh, shown to thee in the mount. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been given, have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all, they, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest, and I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith, a new covenant he hath made, uh, he hath made the first old. Now that, he, that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away, is ready to vanish away. Family, today we're speaking from the subject, the real deal, the real deal, the real deal. You see, to truly embrace 
the new covenant that the apostle speaks of here in our text, we need to look at the shadow of it, the shadow of it, which is the old tabernacle. It's the old tabernacle. But before we look at that, I want to pose a question to you. You know, I like to ask questions. So I want to pose a question to you. Have you ever held onto something that you had for a long time? Have you ever held onto something that you had for a long time? You just wanted to keep it because you were used to it, because you were familiar with it. Even though it wasn't as effective as you needed it to be. In fact, it cost you more to maintain it. But you held on to it anyway. Some of you are familiar with that. You're familiar with holding on to cars. Some of you held on to cars and you rolled that car until the wheels fell off. I mean, you washed it. You cleaned it. And every time you finish washing and cleaning, it seems like you had to take it to the mechanic. Or you had to put it up on, on the blocks and try to figure out what was going on underneath there. Why is it leaking? Why is this not working? Why is this clicking? You, something you, you always had something, but you held on to it. You knew you needed to get another car, but you held on to that car. It, you just loved that car. You held on to it. Some of you, you held on to suits and dresses like that. I mean, you kept on having to get it taken up. You had to get it let out. <laughs> you had to get it hemmed. You had to get him let out. Holes were in it. You had to get it stitched and patched. All kinds of stuff you had to do, but you held on to that suit. You said, oh, oh the color, it, 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 it goes well with my complexion. And you kept on wearing it, even though you're like, Lord, they're making new clothes every day. You can buy a new suit. You can get a new dress. Even if you have to go to Goodwill, you can get something. <laughs> but you kept, you held on to that suit. Some of you, you kept, there was a pair of shoes that you loved. And you wore those shoes till it wore. I mean, the sole was so thin. If you stepped on chewing gum, you could you could tell what flavor it was. You were it was just that thin. You had it re-soled. You had the heels till you had it re-heeled. All the, by the time all the money you spent in soles and heels, you could have bought two or three other pairs of shoes. But you loved that pair of shoes. You just held on to it because it had a value for you. You you thought it was something that that you could hold on. Two. Guess what? Guess what? This is what the old covenant is to many believers today. This is what the old covenant is to many believers. And in fact, this old covenant is reflected in the old tabernacle, in the old tabernacle. You see, in looking at the tabernacle, we must understand first how it was pointing towards Christ. Do you hear me? When we look at the tabernacle, we've got to understand, we must remember all the while it was pointing towards Christ. It was pointing towards Christ. It was pointing toward him. You see, we need to look at the parts of the tabernacle and what they represent to truly understand. We've got to look at the parts of the tabernacle and what they represent. You see, first is the holy place, is the holy place. This is the place where the priests served. They served in the holy place. Within the holy place, you found the golden lampstand. The golden lampstand. That was actually the foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. The foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 8, looking at verse 12, he says these words. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me 
shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life, the light of life. This is what Jesus was and the golden lamp said it represented him. It represented him in that way, foreshadowing of Jesus Christ coming. Also, you had the golden table of showbread, the golden table of showbread that actually represented the bread of life, the bread of life. And then you had the golden altar. You had the golden altar of incense, the golden altar of incense representing prayer, representing prayer. And then you had the veil behind the veil was something very important. But we had the veil, the veil and the veil represented prayer It represented prayer. But behind the veil, behind the veil, you found the Ark of the Covenant. You found the Ark of the Covenant within the Ark. You found these items. You found the, the commandments, the stone tablets of the commandments. Why is that important? Because Christ came to fulfill the law. Christ came to fulfill the law. You also had in that ark, you had Aaron's rod that budded. Aaron's rod that budded. It represented the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It represented the, rep the resurrection of Christ, his resurrection. And then you had a pot of manna, a pot of manna. This also represented the bread of life, the bread of life. But then on top of the ark, you had three items. You had two cherubim two cherubim made of hammered gold the scriptures say hammered gold hammered into the position of worship hammered into the position of worship between the two cherubim you had the mercy seat the mercy seat seated there right between the two and when the priest would come in they would sprinkle the blood upon the mercy seat and it is believed that it is there where the glory of god fell and met them right there and on the mercy seat between the worship between the worship of the cherubim. But it didn't stop there. There was a court that was around the tabernacle as well. There was a court around the tabernacle. It was approximately 100 cubits by 50 cubits. This helped to form as well as the outer court, the outer court. In the outer court, you found the brazen altar, the brazen altar. This was the place where sacrifices were made. Sacrifices were made there at the brazen altar. You also had the laver. The laver was the place where there was a washing. They washed their hands and cleaned themselves to remove the blood and clean themselves from all of the things that they did during the sacrifices. All of these things were done right there. These are the parts of the tabernacle and what it symbolized. Now, here is the beauty here is the beauty of understanding all of this. Here's the beauty of understanding it. You see, after all the sacrifices, they still needed a high priest to be able to go beyond the veil and to go into the Holy of Holies at least once a year to be able to pray for them and to get atonement for them. They had to go through this at least once a year. But I want you to understand something. When Jesus died, when Jesus died, I want you to know that the veil had been rent from top to bottom. It was torn in two and the, the, it, it represented the ending of the old covenant and the beginning of the new 
covenant. You see, this is where we would not have to wait for a priest to go in and to pray for us, to try to get atonement for us. And we're sitting back wondering and seeing what, if, what was going to happen with the priest. But no, it enabled us to be able to go in freely to, to our father and pray to him ourselves, to be able to go into him and spend time with him and commune with our father ourselves. Oh, my goodness, something different had changed. Something new had happened. You see, for this to truly make a difference in your life, let me tell you this, for this to truly make a difference in your life, I need, you to, I need to ask you a very important question. A very important question. I want you to ponder this. Is Jesus real to you? Is he real to you? You need to ask yourself that question. Is he real to me? Is he real to me? You, it's important that you know that. You see, even though he has done all these things to set you free, even though he's done all of these things, if he isn't real to you, it will not change anything in your life. It won't change one thing in your life. In fact, the readers of the book of Hebrews, the very first readers of the book of Hebrews, they were being tempted to quit moving forward and to stop maturing in the things of God and specifically in the knowledge of Christ. They were being tempted to pull away. But as the apostle wrote these words, they realized that they couldn't go back because everything behind them was inferior to Jesus. Everything behind them, it fell and paled in comparison to Jesus. You see, their only option was pursuing Christ. Their only option was pursuing Christ. Is that your option today? Is that your option today? Listen, I need somebody to type in chat right now. I'm pursuing Jesus. I'm pursuing Jesus. I'm pursuing Jesus. Listen, it's important to understand that you've got to keep pressing on in Christ. Look, I realize that things may not be where you want them to be. I realize that things may not be the way that you thought that they should be. I know it's taking a little longer for some of you to accomplish some of the things that you were believing God for. It's taking you a little longer to see the things manifest that he's promised and that the Father promised unto you. But I want you to realize that there's so much that has been done in you and through you in the journey that if you were to go back, it what you, what you would find would pale in comparison even to where you are right now. You have to understand, see the scratches and the wounds that are on you, the scars that you wear. They show the strength that you have gained. They show the things you've overcome. They show how much you've grown. They show how much you now understand. You see, if you look at those things, you can look at them and say, my goodness, look at what I've gone through. But if you really look at them, you should look even more and say, my goodness, look at what I've become. 